This is Parables of the Divorce CEO, where men have real and raw conversations about the pain, suffering, and loneliness of divorce. Welcome to this week's episode of Parables of a Divorce CEO. I am your host, Peter Avalon Northstar, the founder and creator of The Divorce CEO. And on this week's episode, starting over. Welcome to another week's episode, and I hope that everybody had a great week and that my American friends had a happy Thanksgiving and you got to celebrate with your families. So on this week's episode, the theme is starting over. So on last week's episode, I was, I was sharing that I had come to the, to the conclusion that it was time to leave. It was time for me to move on. I made the decision to leave the marriage uh, after having this divine uh, revelation experience, you might call it. And, uh, and so I made the decision to, to leave. Now, it was an interesting time because we had just moved. We had just gotten a new apartment. And so I basically had to arrange everything uh, and, and pack everything and get rid of all of my things or whatever I, I had. I would sell I would uh, end up closing down my consulting business and ultimately um, taking that money and and uh, be able to live from that moving forward as I as I move back to Denmark. And so there was, it was this strange transition phase of like being very clear. I made a decision, but at the same time giving up everything, right? Like this life that I had lived before, I was like letting go of it. I was letting go of the fantasy of having a family, the 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 dreams of living together forever and growing old and taking care of each other and all of these things that I had dreamt about for a long time with my wife. And yet I d- did also realize that I had tried so hard to be the perfect husband. I tried so hard to be the perfect man. And yet, in so many ways, I had uh, fallen short. Now, mind you, I'm I'm not saying in any shape or fashion that all of this was her fault. We were definitely both at fault. And ultimately, I quit, right? Like, I quit, which is why I left. It's not like I woke up one day and I was like, holy shit, you know, like my wife's cheating on me or something. No, I actually, I quit on the marriage. I quit because I could no longer see a way out. So I, ha- I felt I had no other choice. And so we did our arrangements. I got uh, whatever I had in Toronto, I, uh, you know, like furniture and stuff like that or storage, I would sell. Um, I told my uh, the 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 place that I was doing consulting with that I would be back in a you know maybe by the the end of the year or the next year and then you know we could go back and working together. So my intention was, interestingly enough, always to come back to Toronto. I had no idea how that would look. I didn't I didn't I didn't know when that was. I just knew that I had to go back to my own country to sort myself out, to kind of find myself, to figure out what the hell did I want now? You know, where was I heading? And going back was a bittersweet experience because 
in some ways I felt the relief, but at the same time, I'm, I was also embarrassed. I was embarrassed because I had, you know, I had left the country to get married to this woman. I had sold my CrossFit gym to become married to this woman. And now I left this woman to go back to nothing, absolutely nothing. I had no place to live. I had a little bit of saving. Um, I had basically just three luggages and the clothes in that. And that was it. I, I had nothing, you know, like the, the place my mom used to have was, we'd gotten rid of that, um, her car, all of that. So I literally had zero to come back to. And so for the first little while, I, when I came back, I lived at my dad's place uh, until I could no longer live there anymore. And I had to find another place. And fortunate enough for me, there was a, a friend in a group that I had that offered me to stay in her spare room for a while until I kind of sorted myself out and figured stuff out. Now, I had at that time no idea whatsoever how long this was going to take. I also had no idea how hard it would be because what happened was as everything has settled, right? So when you're in a situation like that, you kind of, you're, you're thinking based on a survival mechanism in your, in your body and your brain. And the only thing I was thinking about, okay, I have made the decision. I now have to leave. And then when I then come back, everything will be better, right? That was kind of the thought pattern. And yet I failed to realize the natural process of grief, the natural process of actually leaving a long-term relationship. And so when I had been in Denmark for about two weeks, everything started to kind of hit me. Everything started to fall and crumble. And I would be faced with a darkness that I had no idea would even exist I had no idea how weak I became and how fragile everything got inside of me. I broke down completely and I just moved in with, with this friend of mine in her room and she was, I remember she was, uh, she had taken her kids to, uh, to their vacation house and that week where I was, there was, this was the first time I was actually completely alone for two weeks. And for those two weeks, I just, the only thing I did was lie in bed, cry completely uncontrollably, be in a, in a state of total panic and fear and uncertainty about the future and just feeling this overwhelming uh, sense of guilt and shame and regret, pain, uh, fear for the future and just being completely alone in the world. I felt more alone than I have ever felt in my entire life. Like it was like all of these years of being in this marriage and all of the trauma that I had endured and all of the loss that I've had, it just, everything just crumbled. Everything just came crumbling down at the same time. And there was a lot of moments where I really missed my ex. Where I was like, did I make the right decision? Did I, could I have done things differently? Should we have, you know, had counseling? Like all of these what if questions starts coming up. And it always reminds me of an episode of, of 
Dr. Phil that I watched about heartbreaks and when we break up with somebody, our brain tricks us. It, it basically creates this uh, perfect version of our ex. And this is why a lot of times we end up going back to our exes knowing that it didn't work out in the first place, but then our brain tricks us and then we go back into it thinking that it will be better the second time and yet it shows up to be the exact same a lot of times. Not always, but a lot of times. And so I was in this state where my brain was constantly tricking me and telling me, oh my God, she was the best thing that ever happened to you. She was amazing. She was so beautiful. You're never going to find a woman that's going to love you again. Uh, you're never going to you know, ha- be intimate with a woman ever again. You're like, There's all these things. Like, And I was thinking, like, which woman would want me now that I'm divorced? Like, you know, I was, I was, I was just full of guilt and shame for going through a divorce and ending up like my parents, which is the one thing that I had promised that I would never be. I would never become like my parents. And yet here I was. Sitting in a bed in Copenhagen, just fucking bawling my eyes out every day for two straight weeks. And the pain was so intense that I felt like this would never end. It would literally never, never, never end. And so this whole notion of starting over was just so overwhelming to me. It was so, so massively overwhelming to me. I didn't know who I was. I didn't know what I wanted in life. I had no idea what to do in my life, what type of job I should look for. Should I start a new business again? Should I, like, what should I do? Should I, you know, just get a traditional job and just give up my dream of of having a business and like running a successful business and being of service to others? Like, I had no clue. I was so confused and I was just in so much pain. I had so many questions. And so that first two weeks were just like bed, going down to buy groceries to make food, and then bed again. And then as time progressed and, you know, I started sharing more about what I had experienced because there's a lot of the things that I had experienced in my marriage that I didn't share with anybody. There's a lot of things that I kept secret and I hid a lot from my family. So... As I started to open up to more of what had been going on and where I felt alone and how much I missed my family and I wish they would have come to visit me and been a part of my life. Like the more I started opening up for all these things, the more I allowed myself to be vulnerable and be seen. And it it was a very humbling experience for me because it was a time where I had nothing to lose and everything to gain. But when you're in that state, you just, you cannot see that it can ever get better. It was the same thing when my mother passed away. I just had no idea how I could ever move forward. And so the one thing that the passing of my mother had taught me was just to take one simple, uh, like one small step each day. And then that little step would accumulate and become more traction over time. And that was essentially the only thing that I could do going through this process. And, you know, I had days I woke up and I could see possibility. Like there's days where I woke up happy after a while. But there was many, many, many more days where I woke up completely depressed and just didn't want to be on this planet. 
it was a very hard, long, lonely journey for me. Very fucking hard. Yet it was a very necessary journey for me to, to go through or else I wouldn't be where I am today. Doing the type of work that I'm doing today. But it was a blessing that I was surrounded with people who were willing to listen and showed me compassion and held space for me when I was in pain. And that it was okay to just be vulnerable and cry and share all of the, the, the loss that I felt that I had in my life. You know, like I, I felt so much guilt and shame for specifically loss. Like I had a lot of regrets, you know, the regret of not staying in my business longer, um, burning the bridges with my business owner and the uh, owners, uh, like my partners and the way I did, um, blaming them for so many things that I, that was, had nothing to do with them and everything to do with me. Like the way that I just handled myself in that time frame was just something that I had tremendous regret about. And it had, yeah, there was just so much regret I had in terms of how I had done certain things and how selfish I had been, right? Like, I had forgotten one of the first rules that we have in martial arts, which is every time you go into the dojo or the club or the school, you leave your ego at the door. And I had allowed myself to... I guess in some shape or fashion get too not self selfish is not the right word, but I had allowed my ego to inflate me in some way because now I had this business and all of a sudden all of my insecurities came out as ego and as like I was superior, which was a total like total bullshit. And so the way that I acted was at times not something I would do today. It was definitely very immature and very childish. And so as I was sitting in Copenhagen, I'm reflecting over my, the past 10 years, and I was like, shit, man, I've done a lot of stupid things. There is a lot of regret, right? I didn't, I didn't see all the good that I also did. I was only focused on all, all the negative. I was only focused on all the, the bad things that I had done or the bad things that I, quote unquote, thought what had been done to me. I didn't even realize where I started and, and where I ended, like where it all began and how I contribute to certain things. And it was just like, there's so much regret and guilt and shame that, that just had taken over me. And that's part of this whole grieving process is that we, again, our mind tries to seduce us with all these stories and all these lies and and everybody's different and my specific pattern is that I always seem to go into this like pity party and and victim mentality where oh my god it's horrible for me and the world is out to get me and stuff like this and, and this is my pattern this has all this is seems always to have been the pattern that I have uh taken um in some shape or fashion from my mother and her way of behaving in life and that became my nature because that's what I mirrored. It's just what I have seen, right? So as I was sitting in Copenhagen, there was a lot of this that came up. And out of this whole process started the process of me creating a path out of my pain. 
I had zero idea of how that would even happen. The only thing I knew is I had to do something every single day. Like I, I had to have a morning routine. I had to get out every day and move my body. I had to do simple things. And the, f- the first thing about moving, right? The, f- the fact of getting outside and going for a walk and clearing your head, clearing your mind this way, it started helping me to digest a lot of the questions and the doubts that I had about myself and, and uh, what went wrong in my marriage or where I did something wrong or where I, see, where I quit on the marriage. So the movement part was like the, the easiest and simplest thing that I started out doing. And then I started adding journaling as the second step. And these two things became the catalyst of what I have created today with my own CEO and fire coaching program. They became kind of the foundations of my daily practice to find a path out of my pain and see that there is a new future for anybody who goes through this breakup, this divorce, and that you're not alone in that. So these two things were like the essence of everything that came afterwards. I would journal about my pain. I would journal. I would write down affirmations every day. Um, I would just. I would just treat it as a blank canvas every day of me sharing my deepest pain, and asking God, universe, whatever you might call it, to extend their hand and give me some form of release or relief that day so that I could have a day where I could at least just breathe because the pain was so intense that I at times felt like I was just suffocating. I could not breathe because I loved this woman so much and yet I, I felt that I had been forced to leave because I could not change her or in my mind I couldn't save her. And so the pain was too much for me to bear. And so there was a lot of anger towards God and towards this notion of like feeling like I was forced into this. And yet I know that I was not forced into anything. It was a choice I made and it was the right choice. But there was so much anger and and resentment from my end in this that that I kind of lost track of everything. And so starting over as a divorced man is one of the hardest things that we have to go through. But it's also one of the most liberating and amazing things that we get to experience. It's the first process that we actually go through. So this is the, this is the part, this is kind of a two components of the coaching program that I have that's called re. re um, recover which is the first phase and then the refocus phase which are like the two phases intertwine where we start over again the notion of finding yourself the notion of knowing who you are as a a new man setting new targets for your life figuring out and getting clear like crystal clear of where you want to go what you want to do in your life moving forward maybe it's changing your career maybe it's taking your business to bigger heights, whatever it might be. It might be traveling the world, you know, like even in terms of dating, like getting clarity about what type of woman you want, 
getting clear of what are the non-negotiables in your relationship, you know, in terms of sex, in terms of intimacy, like all of these things are part of these two first phases that I lead men through. And they're some of the most powerful, most vulnerable, and most healing phases of this whole process. They're also the hardest ones, but the pure awareness that you as a man receive after doing this work will set your life on a completely different trajectory. And you will uncover a version of yourself that you never ever thought was possible. There's no doubt in my mind that had I not gone through all of the pain, all of these regrets and all of this, this uh, self-pity, victimization, that there is no way that I could have created this work. Because this work to me was divinely guided through the darkest moments of my life. And I see firsthand now the, the, how effective and how powerful it is as I lead other men through the same process. So know that even in your darkest moments, there is a massive gift for you to find. If you're willing to completely surrender and listen to the pain that is screaming at you. The pain that is screaming to you. The pain that is screaming for you to find the real version of you. The version of you without all of your masks, all of your lies, all of your stories and all of your limitations. The version of you that is totally free to be, do and have whatever you want and have ever dreamt of in your life. It is possible. It is doable. It requires work. And it requires some help, but it is possible. So grab your pen and your journal, and here are my questions for you today. Number one, what was the darkest and hardest moment of your divorce? Number two, what patterns or behaviors did you fall back into, or did you notice started occurring through this process? And number three, what were the specific things that you have done or did to move you forward from your divorce and starting a new life? That's all I got for you today. Love and light your way. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode of Parables of the Divorce CEO. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss future episodes and please share it with someone who may find the content valuable. Join my coaching program at thedivorceceo.com slash coaching.